I love the service. I love that rush. Uh, I love watching people eat and be happy, hopefully. <laughs> and that's why I, I love missing being at BKK when I can see all the customers and their reactions when they love something or they're interested. They're like, oh, well, like they didn't expect something. The dish going to come out like that and they're happy. Today on Dirty Linen, we are celebrating the appointment of Nada Thomas as head chef of Her, a four-level restaurant in Melbourne, or a four-level, it's a restaurant, it's a bar, um, it's a Thai restaurant, so Nada has taken on the food on the ground floor and is changing the concept, which is a big thing to do. Nada, welcome to Dirty Linen. Hi, how are you, Danny? I'm really good and I'm really excited to chat to you. I love um, I love hearing about promotions, especially of talented female chefs. So congratulations for stepping into this new role. Oh, thank you so much. And thanks for having me. I'm very excited. <laughs> I'm excited too. Her is a pretty amazing place. It opened in Melbourne, I don't know, one or two years ago. Uh, it's a rooftop. Um, there's cocktails on tap. There's these all these different concepts. There's a listening room on the second floor. It's really a multi-purpose venue. For people who haven't had the uh, pleasure of going there, can you just describe it for us? Well, it's a place that you can start from the ground floor and then you can go to music room and then like go upstairs in the rooftop have a couple cocktails and if you're hungry you can try the BKK where I used to work as a sous chef it's like a multi-level place it's some people just come in to say hi and then just there where we see them for dinner so which is great um yeah, it's like you could really explore explore it over the course of an evening and have all these different experiences we call it like an adult playground <laughs> Yeah, perfect. And so you mentioned that you were a senior sous chef at BKK, which is um, the Thai restaurant that Sunjan Mo, a previous guest on the podcast, has uh, is heading up. Um, it's quite different to be working cooking Thai food and now cooking European food in the same business. Yeah, it is. It's um, well. All my story was when I decided that I want to do something different. That's why I reached out to our, our old executive head chef, Nick Bennett, that I, I love Thai food. Is there any chance? Because I was doing 10 years of Italian desserts and cooking. I wanted to like do something totally new. And everyone's so surprised. No one knew about it. And he was like, yeah, why not? I was the first person who was hired for this building, actually. And then, I, yeah, I love Thai food, too. So luckily, I had Mo as my head chef. And then we did everything from scratch, still doing it, like all the paste, all the sauces, all the dressings, So which was great. I just needed that refreshment. And then, but then this role came about, and then I love European food. I love Spanish food, Italian. So, and I really wanted uh, another, like a, this kind of change, uh, uh, like a progress. So I said, yes, why not? <laughs> so another big change in my life. <laughs> Yeah, so the concept at her when it opened on the ground floor was French-style food, like beautiful burnished duck and uh, steak tartare, a lot of really classic French dishes. But tell me uh, how you're changing the menu there. We are uh, just want to use a bit of everything, all the cuisine. So, so a bit of European, I love Spanish, Italian, Greek, a little bit of my heritage, like a bit of Turkish. And then French as well too. It's great. Like so, it's when we have a lot of different cuisines. I think is we can be more creative, and like also with the produce is amazing. Some 
some vegetables are great in one way, some of them different. So it also gives a bit of variety as well. So of course we don't want to make up like everything mixed up, you have a confusion, but just a nice harmony in the menu. With, yeah. Does that, does that really feel like a, a Melbourne style of menu to you? I think so. I think like a lot of places you go, they like with the seasonality and they just uh, trying different cuisines, techniques. And yeah, I think so. I think it's, it's, it's going to be good for us too. So <laughs> you mentioned working with your executive chef um, with Nick Bennett and I understand that Paul Dunlop has taken on a role across the group as well. Like, can you talk about the balance between being a young leader yourself, but also having these executive chefs that you can turn to for mentoring and advice? How, how does that all balance? Well, I'm so lucky enough to know them before I have started this role. So I had great connections with both of them. So they were always there for me. So Nick was like that. But now I have Paul as well. Lucky enough, we work together at Press Club. And then basically all we do is like I'll tell what I need and then I get the help that I need. So it's just like that. So it's a very good relationship. We, we kind of similar with Paul, which is very funny. When I think of something, I say, I had this idea or I like this. And he's like, oh, my God, it's me too. So it is, it's a very good um, relationship. Uh, we lean on each other. And like, if I need him, like, yeah, he's there for me, which is great. And what sort of things do you need as you come into your first head chef role? Like, what, what things are you finding the most challenging? So... As a, like, I started as a pastry chef, so it was like you focus on one area. And then when I become a sous chef, it was a little bit more, You've, but then we were dividing the jobs, so you have a couple more things on your plate. But as a head chef, it was like a whole thing. It was like a big world I was entering. So I needed, like, um, the cost things occurred a little bit more because you have to do everything like little details about it's not just like ordering your vegetables and your seafood and there's other stuff the takeaway containers the the cleaning products and you have to deal with the kitchen hands you have to like every little detail so it's like of course when i have a, someone like paul is experiencing all of these it's a great help and he already knows sometimes by looking at me what i'm going to ask him so it is great to have someone um by your side that that much of experience and I mean, I'm sure that Mo has also been, uh, I suppose, an inspiration to you. Just in, in, she's a machine in the kitchen, and just a lot of experience managing. You know, in a previous role at, at Red Spice Road, she oversaw a restaurant that seated 400 people or something. You know, she had a massive team. Um, she's a complete gun. Like, what sort of things have you learned from watching her? Oh, that's what makes me want to take the job as a head chef. Just watching her, being with her. It's like she, like yeah, like you said, she's a mission. She's she's a gun, and then um, she was so organized, like how she was dealing with the with the with our team, and then she was giving me that role to me. So like she was like, okay, now it's your turn, so I can learn. And then Libra do, doing the rosters. She was starting and she was showing us, and they're like, okay, you should do it. So like every little thing she was doing, and then she was sharing with us. And then just, yeah, she taught me a lot. But then after a while, it was like this small kitchen that I wanted a bit more. And like, she probably realized this too. But, um, and then, yeah, um, 
luckily lucky enough that I had this gig, but I'm not so far from her. And she was the first person I was asked questions. I'm like, oh, like I had this with the deputy. I don't can't figure it out or any other order or anything. And she was always there for me, so which is great. I'm very lucky. <laughs> That's really interesting. I mean, to have this, it's almost like you've got a restaurant group under one roof. I mean, do you feel like that's an advantage for you in terms of your career progressing? I think so. It's like, uh, so it's like two different restaurants, but we're like a big team. If we need something, it's like we don't need to outsource it. We just go, even with the Aubrey upload or Aubrey, if we need something we don't have, we can't get it or a long weekend, or we need to just call them. And then just like, yeah, we all look after each other. Yeah, so for people who don't know, um, the same group owns Arbury, which is a bar that runs alongside Flinders Street Station and Arbury Afloat, which is a summertime barge that pops up on the Yarra River um, every spring um, to great excitement, a real bit, a bit of a, a bit of a party scene down there. But yeah, I guess a lot of um, opportunities for uh, consolidating back of house and, and um yeah, and, and I guess finding pathways within within that group. It's yeah, really, it's really interesting. And so Nada, I mean, there are a lot of women in in kitchens these days, but still not as many as we'd like to see, especially in leadership positions. How do you see that side of um, your career progression? Look, I before more, I've never worked with a uh, female head chef before, um, so it was a bit different. I always, but for me. I never, like in the kitchen, I don't see gender or age. I had some so young, like a younger sous chefs. And I would just uh, chef the parties. And then I never see that. But now I understand like, it, um, it was hard for women. When I first started cooking, I was thinking, oh my God, it's a hard job. Like how they were surviving at the moment. But I guess like we can do anything. And it's good to see a, a lot of strong women. Um, and then, I would like to hope it that like it is and um, I don't think it should be defining the factor of who, who we are hiring as a role. So Nada, tell us about some of the dishes you're doing there. Um, and also, you know, I know you're looking really carefully at the produce you're using. Maybe talk about some of the producers that you're really excited to showcase and the dishes that their produce turns up in. I'm so lucky enough to come across with Natura which they are an amazing group that they'd reach out to all the farmers around Melbourne, which they don't have access to come to the restaurant. So they go and every week they tell us what's out there, what's coming, and then they have a big product, uh, product list and we get to choose and then they deliver Monday to Saturday. That was great. Like we, we just saw some beautiful white asparagus from Tasmania and they were talking about it these beautiful honeydew melons so so we have that and also I come across with Somerset Farms Chloe is so lovely her salad mixes her broad bean flowers all her black flowers is amazing so every Thursday she delivers us so we use it in our kitchen and then we have superl foraging as well so where we can just get our little flowers little bits and pieces and again Every day they can deliver it to us, Monday to Friday. And the cheeses, that's Amore, Italian cheeses, they're, they're very helpful. And then uh, we got this little beautiful ricottas and their beautiful um, cow cheese milk. And then also we can just go ask them what is out there, what's, what's good, and they're always helpful. And um, yeah, it's good. We st I'm still searching like around like different little... Um, uh, 
producers. So <laughs> we're just starting slowly, slowly. <laughs> yeah, sure. No, it's exciting times. And when so many of those producers that you mentioned, you know, we've, all, we've had on the podcast or on the producers podcast as well. So it's certainly a beautiful network of people that you're sort of building around you. Um, what, if I was to come to her, Nato, like what would you suggest that I order? What, what, what would you love to feed me? Well, I would love you to try the Wagyu, it's Mayura Wagyu tongue with a grubish. It's so good. Everyone has a bit of a thing with the offal, but it is like, it's delicious. <laughs> Melts in the mouth. We get it from Global Meats. And from, um, also we have the Pakeri pasta with the, we get all our beautiful baby zucchinis from Natura to make that dish and the broad beans and broad bean leaves. It's uh, with a, it's a butter sauce. Uh, Pakeri pasta is from Campania, so a little, we get, I get them from uh, Batiste Group, they're beautiful Italian pro, pro, products, and, um, and probably you, you can finish with the Marcella apples, <laughs> they're my favorite, mm. it's like an apple pie, but there's no crust, so it just serves on a bowl, beautiful salted caramel sauce, and finish with like milk ice cream. Oh my goodness! You you have totally sold me on everything. <laughs> and <laughs> there is more. Really good. <laughs> I bet there is more. Um, so Nada, you mentioned your Turkish background. Can you take us all the way back to your childhood? Um, tell us where you grew up in Turkey and and what place food played um, in your life. Well, I was born in Izmir, but my dad is Libyan, so I have a little bit of uh, Middle Eastern in me as well, uh, Libyan. So we, but we grew up Izmir, so Izmir was always, um, with the weather, was like, uh, cooking, cooking was a, a big deal for us, like, as a family, and I love to share, like, what I was making with our neighbors, it was like a little community, and people used to call each other, oh, like, we make this, or we make that, but then my, my father was... Uh, my father loved cooking and then he was like trying to get me into cooking maybe I don't know maybe he was bored of my mom's cooking but he was like trying to show me cookbooks and I'm like would you like to try it and they were all English so we wanted to learn English and then so it was it helped me a lot in that way too I was like looking at the dictionary finding some words that I never seen and then just like we just start cooking he was getting me shake and bake to be like get more comfortable easier and then it just started yeah and then I was just like watching the TVs or the programs um, and then I just fell in love with cooking. But I always loved teaching as well, so I didn't know actually what to do first. Um, I like kids, I used to uh, teach my brother uh, or like help him with the, his homeworks, his friends. And then, yeah, I tried, I tried the uni at, back in Turkey, but it, it just didn't happen. I didn't get what I wanted. And then my sister wanted to uh, go abroad, that she was like, would you like to come? I'm like okay and it was good that we had opportunity to do that but then everyone was like you should do something fun don't be a teacher I was like why don't you be a chef I was like okay yeah so it sounds fun and I watched all the movies the, like you know but then I just joined Willem Angeles and then we picked Melbourne because everyone told us that it was a culinary city like all multi-diversity and then um yeah, I joined Willem Angeles and then start working. And it was my first job actually. Before that, I never, I never worked before when I started cooking. And yeah, and then the rest was history. Wow, that's amazing, Nada. So what year was it that you came to Australia? I was 24, not that young, but, <laughs> but I was, uh, what year is it? 2004. Okay, right. So you, yeah, so you've been here a while. 
Yeah, it's gonna be my twentieth next next July. Yeah, my twenty years. Yeah. Yeah, got it. Incredible. And what were some of your key experiences as you cooked your way around Melbourne? Um, uh, I think one of the biggest changes was when I worked at Scusami. I met um, Ricard. Uh, it was he was a Spanish chef, and then he showed me the world of pastry. I just fell in love because at that point I was either going to leave cooking because it was too much stress. It was like lighter and pastry always together. It was it was just too much. And then but just I met him and then I just focused on pastry more. And then I joined Press Club, which I just did only pastry. I always call Press Club like my London, where like I came from Turkey to here. But then everyone goes to London to learn working on those Michelin restaurants. Anyways, when I started Press Club, I made amazing chefs and Joe Garrett was great, learned so much. In a, I didn't work there long, maybe 14 months, but it was like great. Learned a lot and I just joined Checkonis, which used to be like 10 years of pastry. And I think there's, they were my, um, my, yes, my family, Checkonis, yeah. That's so interesting. And I mean, it's really interesting that pastry sort of saved you from leaving kitchens. Um, And it's, yeah, it's so interesting to hear about, you know, this one mentor that could steer you on a different path that otherwise we would have lost you altogether, Nada. Um, (laughs) What about, I mean, why, why do you think you've now moved away from pastry? Well, after 10 years, I mean, I'm, I was doing a lot there. One stage, I did all the sections and I came back on the pastry. I did the meat section. Besides pasta section, I did all like just moved around. It was good. But then when I back on the pastry, I was just starting to repeat myself. I just feel like it's like I need some something else. I just need, I don't know, after a point of life, it, like it was getting easy. I wanted another challenge maybe about something different. I could have just stayed there. It was, it was my family. It was like it was so hard for me to leave. But I think I needed that to just shake up my life, get um, like out of my comfort zone, actually. Mm. So, yeah. And do you feel now having, you know, worked both sides of the fence, you know, pastry and and back onto savoury, I mean, are there, are there things that you can bring from the pastry kitchen into the savoury kitchen that you think are really helpful? Yeah, I'll be, um, be more organised because <laughs> in the pastry, everything has to be like ticking ticking like a clock. You have to be very precise, organized. You do your prep, your prep is done and the service is just smooth. And one thing is wrong, you forget your gelatin in the mousse and you that's it, you're done. <laughs> so I think I bring that and then be more organized, like the sections, the prep, and we're just ready for the service with everything. So, and then, because I always say that the last thing people remember is always the dessert. So until the, like everything finishes, I say you always have to get, be ready. Never just close your sections because, like, it had to be always 100%. <laughs> and what about, you know, what, that experience at BKK in the Thai kitchen? What have you been able to take from that to bring back to your European kitchen at her? Hmm. Um, let me – at working at BKK, it was, like, uh, it was, it's a fast-paced kitchen. We were very um, – but – it was just possible. We were doing everything from scratch, like all the pace. And then it's 
the way it is that the third level is the restaurant. It's a service kitchen, and we we shared our prep area with the basement kitchen with her. Now that I'm there, and then we were doing everything there, and then we kind of like uh, learn how to control the prep because if someone is doing the prep and they go into the service kitchen. We try to learn how to be consistent. So it doesn't matter I'm making the prep or my like a Suda making or Mo is making the prep. It was always the same. So that was a good thing to learn. It's just not like someone down there doing and going up there is different or someone else. The consistency was good. And then working in a fast kitchen was good. And working with the uh, charcoal barbecues was amazing. Uh, I missed that bit for downstairs. Yeah. And... Interesting. Um, and so, Nada, you know, it's coming into summer. It's going to be really busy in the restaurant. Like, what are you, I suppose, think, what are you looking forward to? But, you know, if there's anything that you're nervous about, tell us about that as well. Not nervous, but I mean, it's going to be my first, it's going to be my first Christmas menu here. It's going to be my first New Year's. So it's like, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the summer produce. Um, like building my team because we just I knew them before that because I was at the prep in the basement but now like I'm working with them we're very close we're very small like five people so um, yeah I'm just looking to grow with them just yeah amazing and you've been on this cooking journey for 20 years now like as, as you look back like what kind of advice would you have for, for young people who are coming into the industry or perhaps at a turning point as you were when you were wondering if cooking was really for you I always tell them I think they really have to love it, like really, really love it. It's like no other way. It just becomes your life. It just, I mean, you should be just do things without even thinking, oh, it's my day off or it's like I'm off tonight. But you always, not kind of working, but like you get inspiration from everywhere. Just, yeah, love. It's, it never stops. There's always something. It's alive, I say that. <laughs> and they shouldn't be thinking about like, a day is a day, a Saturday or Sunday, Friday, it's like public holidays. It just becomes like natural for me. Uh, like it's the same day. I mean, if they, most of the times I found that young people focus on this, oh, my friends are going for a weekend away or somehow I have to work. Like that is the hard thing. They should be okay with it because every place is different too. Like we're in this big company open seven days. For me, when I do the roster, I don't mind like, I wasn't giving them weekends off, and they're like, "Oh, I have a weekend of this." Not like we are. So, well, we are busy on a Monday. No, no, no different than a Saturday. So it's like, so they just have to be more open to that, the new life, not just like a nine to five life, and just love it. I guess. Um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I mean, what is it that you love about what you do? I love the service. I love that rush. Uh, I love watching people eat and be happy, hopefully. <laughs> and that's why I, I love missing being at BKK when I can see all the customers and their reactions when they love something or they're interested. They're like, oh, well, like they didn't expect something. The dish going to come out like that and they're happy. Can you see the customers at her? Oh, uh, no, because we're in the basement. Ah, the service kitchen's in the basement, right. Yeah. 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 But they yeah. want to put a screen for me so I can see the people, which will be good. <laughs> yeah, I reckon you yeah, that would be good. That would be good to see that see those reactions. Yeah, I miss that. Like at the presser we have the chef's table when I was in the dessert. I get to talk to them. Joe used to tell me you have to sell the special to them. So I was like, Oh yeah, okay. <laughs> that it was good interaction. 
Yeah. yeah. Well, Nada, you know, really exciting to chat to you and congratulations on the new role and getting your team and your menu bedded in. Um, I wish you all the best for the, the rest of spring and summer. I'm sure it's going to be very busy and I'm definitely coming in to eat all that food. Oh, that's great. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time. And yeah. <laughs> really appreciate it. Thank you, Nada. Thank you so much, Danny. Bye. This is Dirty Linen and I'm Danny Vallant. We air the issues that the hospitality industry finds hard to talk about, hearing from different people with unique perspectives. We want to hear from you as well. If you have something that needs to be said about a topic, get in touch so we can include your perspective. Contact us at dirtylinen at deepintheweeds.com.au or hit us up on Insta at Dirty Linen Podcast. We can't wait to hear from you. This.